Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? Happy freaking Monday. Oh my gosh, we are here. It is freezing. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. This is a short podcast. I haven't done one of these, I don't think, ever. And um, this is just something I, the question I get all the time, and I want to clear these two really important things up. Um, and, and before I get into that, I just want to say I'm going to be answering your dog training questions at the end as well. So as you guys know, I, I answer, if you want to ask me questions, uh, the only way to really contact me via podcast is go to the iTunes review charge, leave a review and in your review, I will answer your questions. So we got, we're going to answer three at the end of this. So make sure you listen to the whole thing. Um, and we got some really good feedback from you guys. You guys are just, just the best. The no bad dog army is, so strong and so awesome. Um, really quick, I'm going to plug my members club. If you guys don't know, I have a monthly subscription for $19.99. If you guys like my YouTube or find it valuable, you will love the No Bad Dog members club. It is the unreleased full footage of what you're seeing on YouTube. So on YouTube, it's 20, maybe 30 minutes at the most. And on the members club, for an example, we just went to New Jersey. You're getting two and a half hours of footage. Everything, the whole meat and potatoes of what we did. Link is in the description below. Uh, this podcast, you guys, is is really about the break command, the engagement of what your dog should or shouldn't be doing while you're out for a walk. This is something that I get often, and I just got off the phone with a client that was going through these very similar questions. And so just first and foremost, every person out there, I think no matter if it's a mechanic, a chef, a pastry chef, um, anybody out there, snowboarder, that is doing something professionally, they have their own way. They have their own twist. They have their own style. They have their own way of teaching. And I can't stress that enough with dogs. It is so big, uh, especially with social media of people just, there's not one person, it doesn't matter what you believe in on the internet, that does it 100% the way that everyone can agree with. That'll never happen in anybody's lifetime. So just know that there's always going to be, no, 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 this is the way you're supposed to do it out there. Uh, and then with that being said, I, the way that I train and the way that I teach and the way that I create content is from me as a dog owner. And that's why I want you guys to understand it and digest it. And it resonates with a lot of you, which is, I hope, why you're listening to this podcast in the first place. But the first thing is, is creating that engagement and what's it mean. So should your dog, is it okay for your dog to look other places when you're out for a walk? Is it okay for your dog to look at the birds as they're in a heel? And so again, it, it, it you're going to ask 10 different people, you're going to get 10 different answers. But my opinion is, I think, fair and realistic to dog owners. Not that other ones aren't, but this is the way I teach. So if you have a dog that is out for a heel, I don't care if they're looking left, if they're looking right, if they're looking up or down, my heel is a loose leash walk. My dog owner is out for a walk enjoying her neighborhood with her dog and her partner or maybe her kids. And they just want the dog not to drag them down the road or zigzag back and forth. So it's a left side, loose leash, and we're walking. Now, the brake command is a, is a whole different thing. So the brake command, essentially, for those of you who don't know, is something that I actually learned from Mike Jones in uh, San Jose many, many years ago. Uh, because he lives in a city. I don't live in a city. So a lot of people think you're from New York. I am from upstate New York. It looks more like Montana up here than it does anything, anything else. People don't realize that. I am three hours, three and a half hours north of Manhattan. 
I am about 40 minutes from Vermont. Anyway, so the break command is something that's valuable for your dog to understand that they can disengage and be a dog and do what they want. Think about it kind of like recess for kids. Now, there's certain discretionary things. Uh, I think as a air quotes parent, as a dog owner, that you may or may not allow your dog to do. Just like with kids at recess, they can go out and they can scream and yell and shout and do backflips and get their knees dirty and be a kid. But they can't throw a brick at somebody's face. So they have free reign to do what they want with discretion. So I think the break for some dogs is the same. Uh, as you, And I'm not going to go over how you build your heel because that's, that's a conversation I've had a bazillion times. But just it, it, is it okay for your dog to look around? And in my opinion, yes, because I'm not working on competitive obedience. I'm not going to lose points if my dog looks away. I'm not going to lose points if my dog's shoulder are sitting the wrong way. I just want you guys um, to go out there and walk your dog with confidence and, and a loose leash. Um, so if I was walking Lakota and she was in front of me, I wouldn't care because she's not going to pull me. She's not going to drag me. But if she's in front of me, I don't care. Why don't I care? Because if I asked her or told her to heal, she certainly would. She would slide right into heal and she would be fine at it. Um, and the break command again can be 30 minutes. It could be two minutes. It could be 30 seconds. But when you tell your dog to break, that's their opportunity to go left, go right, go in front of you. Um, so a lot of questions that I get is that I was told that the heel command, um, or, or the break command rather are very disciplined. So if you break your dog, um, it's not, it's not really different from the heel. And if you break your dog, you have to do it when you get back from the walk or when you're healing your dog, they have to heal the whole time. So I, I disagree. I think if you're healing your dog, they can heal and then you can say, okay, now you can break and you can heal, and then you can break. So I don't care if they're looking other places, if they're sniffing other places, if their nose is on the ground, because I just don't think dog owners have enough timing and have enough patience to get their dog to, what do you want them to do? You, you want them to just be like a gimbal and just keep their head straight and not move left and not move right and not move down and not move up? That's crazy. I don't think that that's realistic. So there's that. Uh, and I, and I, and I, that's important for you guys to, to really understand. Um, so you can create engagement, uh, and get your dog more engaged with you by using motivation with food and balls, but creating a dog to look at you and heal is like what we would call a focused heal, which is something you can do, which there's great benefits of it. But again, that's a different training style for a different dog, for a different dog owner. You're not going to do focused healing yet if your dog can't walk nicely. So for the general public out there, healing is your dog loose leash walking and breaking is your dog doing pretty much whatever they want with indiscretion. They can't drag you. They can't run away from you. They can't bark hysterically. They can't bite people. So you have to break responsibly. Um, sometimes breaking is... is you know, so because some people do demand a focused heel because they're reactive, which leads me to kind of to my next segue is the question that I got was my dog is looking at other dogs on uh, air quotes heel. Is that okay? And my answer is, well, if if you are working on leash reactivity, like most people are, especially people who listen to this podcast, um, is your dog okay to look at other dogs without reacting? And I would say, well, what's your goal? If your goal is for your dog to not react to other dogs and they're looking suspiciously or they're looking 
uh, trying to figure the other dogs out. I think that that's okay because they're doing exactly what we wanted them to do. I want to modify the way that you think about other dogs. So when I go out and you bark at another dog and I correct you and I say, leave it. Two minutes later, we're walking and your dog looks at another dog and you correct them before they react. You're going to be up shit's crick because you're unrealistically training the dog because you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. What you really want to do is if the dog is then looking and inquisitive about the other dog, you would pay them for good leave it or even a good heel. So that's a question I just got on this last one was my dog historically is reactive and when I'm out for a walk, sometimes my dog will look back behind us. And again, my heel is loose leash. So if you're looking back behind us because you feel a little nervous about another dog and you're trying to figure this other dog out, but you're being good and as far as reactivity goes, I'm cool with that. Um, but if you're, again, if your dogs have patterns then that lead to bad behavior, the answer is no. So again, I'm empowering you and giving you guys my advice on it's okay to be discretionary on what's appropriate and what's not. Like, again, you give a kid a candy bar and they're eating it. You're like, good job. You did really good on your test. You can have this. This is a reward. Here you go. And then they take it and they start slamming it in their hair and putting it on like deodorant. You're like, okay, now I'm taking this away from you. I once gave you permission to do something and now I'm revoking that and taking that away because you made a bad decision. And that's okay to do. I think dog owners get into this spell of very binary, can't go out of the drawing of the blueprint at all. And you, you can, certainly can. That's like if you watch any video of me working with a dog or even here on the podcast, I switch gears often because I'm trying to figure out the recipe of what's going to work best for this dog and this owner. And it may change throughout the training as we start to uncover things. So don't be afraid to try something and then the next day completely go against it because it doesn't work. That's okay to do again, in my opinion. Um, so I'm just, I'm just giving you guys some advice on that because I, I hear that a lot. It's like, I was told that my dog can never look around on a walk. I'm like, well, that sucks. Why bring your dog for a walk if they're in visual prison <laughs> where they have to just look forward like they're on a gimbal on a camera? Like, that's not good. That's not fair for you or the dog because you're constantly going to be overcorrecting the dog for doing, you know, silly things. So anyway, um, but again, like with my reactive dogs and for you, for you listening who either are working with reactive dogs or you have a reactive dog, Give your dog that breathing space to make a better decision. So again, if we historically have a dog that looks at another dog and reacts 100% of the time, then yes, I'm going to discourage the dog from looking at other dogs. But if your dog is inconsistently reacting and you're working on good operant conditioning, rewarding the dog when they do well and correcting the dog when they're a jerk for no reason, if they're, if they're trying to make better decisions by looking and air scenting instead of reacting, you want to encourage that. Don't block them off from, from getting better. Don't block them off. Don't suffocate them with corrections and don't suffocate them with, with, with structure in, in that time frame because uh, it, it'll, it'll, it won't help them get better. So I hope that that helps and I hope that that makes sense, but that's just something I deal with all the time. And I want you guys to know, I'm like, no, 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 it's totally cool. Like if you can break your dog, your dog can be on a break the whole time. Anyway, we're going to get into 
some questions that you guys have have asked, which are really good. These are like half the battle uh, in my podcast, to be honest, because these are all questions that you guys probably have as well. Uh, so this is a question from Kathy Loves Jesus. <laughs> Kathy, thank you for answering this. Tom Davis says, no, son, no nonsense approach to dog training. Uh, I find this fun podcast to be very helpful and relevant. Thank you so much. Five-star review. Fantastic podcast. Awesome. Question for Tom. I rescued a two-year-old German shepherd about four months ago. He's doing amazing with obedience, socialization, etc. The only issue I have is that he runs up to the top of our property and barks through the fence Anytime my neighbors are outside, I have been working on recall and he comes every time I call him. The problem is, is if I leave the dogs outside when I am not home, he will bark nonstop if the neighbors are outside. Other than never leaving the dogs outside when I'm not home, can you think of a good solution? Um, <clears throat> yes. So, so this is something that uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about bark collars because I, I do get this question a lot, like bark collars, like dog trim makes some good bark collars. Um, so... It's, it, there's there's a oh, there's a lot to unpack in this. I know it doesn't seem like it is, but your German Shepherd, if they're restricted by a property line or a fence or something, is probably naturally going to go and bark at other people because, hey, I'm a dog and I'm a German Shepherd and this is what we do. So we're barking through the fence. Um, so what I would try to do is go over there and try to help them figure it out with the neighbors. So if you have an opportunity to solve the entire problem by saying, hey, can I bring my dog over to meet you? That would be helpful because it's not going to be as much stranger danger. So my point is, is I would be working on the fence line with a leash and you're in maybe a remote collar um, on just discouraging the barking from happening in general, like the boogeyman type thing. Like, hey, there's a boogeyman here. We must, we must, defend our castle and it's like hey just remove the fence bring the dog over have them meet your neighbors and then come back over that's what i would do um <clears throat> the other thing is is you could you could start using the problem with the with the e-collar on barking is you have to be consistent with it because then the dog will try to take advantage of you like your dog is so when you leave and you're not home the dog will bark non-stop so again here's what i'm thinking immediately what i go to guys other than trying to resolve the issue internally with the dog, which I just talked about, is the amount of stress and energy the dog is putting into barking at these people while nobody's home, which is, it sounds like all day, which is not good. It's not good for your neighbors, it's not good for your dog, and it's not good for your other your other dogs. So that's where you can, um, dog trim makes it what, what's called a vibe, I think, an IQ vibe, I wanna say. It's a small little remote collar, um, that only vibrates when a dog barks. The only thing is, is you have to use it uh, with a single dog because it'll it'll pick up sounds from other dogs barking and get corrected. Um, alternatively, that they make other bark collars that will help you with just a pager again, so you can get the bigger pager, which I can't remember off the top of my head what it is. If you call Dog Just Support, they'll be able to help you and just say, "Hey, I just want a bark collar that vibrates," which is what we use in our facility all the time for dogs who have habitual barking problems because. What ended up happening is it's a long kind of pattern, but they end up like kind of like a kid that's hysterically crying and about 20 minutes into their crying episode, they don't even know why they're now they're crying because they're crying. And it's like this, they get, they get a headache. They it's bad. So you can use bark collars for like habitual barking for things like that as well. Um, cause again, we are talking about the problem and I'm quoting the problem is if I leave the dogs outside when I am not home. So this human is not there. The dogs will bark or he will bark nonstop. That's what I would do. I would use use technology to help um, 
discourage some of this behavior. The other thing is, is again, like I said in the beginning, is use a lot of operant conditioning to go out there with your leash or your whatever you're using and pay the dog when they do well. Better yet, have the owners come over and pay the dog for being calm. Again, I don't know, Kathy, you know, what your relationship is with the neighbors, but that's my two cents on that. Okay, we have one from Dragon Wings, one two one, excellent podcast. I have a golden, and he came from a puppy mill. A friend couldn't keep him, and so I got him at six months, and she had him for about a week, and he has fear aggression, I think. We've gotten bit at least three three attacks in one year. In the second or third, he knows that we're both, my partner and I, were in different situations. The dominant pack leaders, and now I can deter him from the actual biting when he's growling and lowering his head by moving him out of the situation and taking him to a timeout, and that usually makes him recover from his mood, or I yell. He attacks our female lab too. Other times he is loving and loves playing with his sister, but we've had him for three years and I don't know what his triggers look like, but I haven't figured out what leads him to being triggered. We don't want to give him away and fearing someone would put him down if we did. What can I do to, What can I do for him and how do I figure out what his triggers are? He is not fixed. Is that a huge factor? We'll talk about that in a minute. We've been living our lives re- revolving around him, basically in prison like some people do. Uh, we are afraid to board him and vacation uh, and have other people over because of all of this. We feed him in another room because I know one thing he is protective of is his food. So I feed him uh, away from the other dogs just in case. Plus, I know if an attack happens, whoever gets the attack always needs stitches. So it's pretty bad. He's not allowed on the bed at all. Um, is this something that we can talk to you about in your podcast? The answer is yes. Uh, this is all my podcast is, is people signing up online, which you guys can do. He's fine at walking and meeting new people and fine with meeting dogs on walks, which is very strange to me. We are afraid that he might attack my elderly father. So I haven't seen my dad and I don't want to have to leave him for a weekend. My dad lives far from us. Um, so there's a board. So there's a little bit more to unpack on this. Uh, I have had dogs all my life, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I think, um, what I would do is you really, so this may sound stupid and silly, First thing is, is you have to hire a trainer. Like you have to, like whenever people get down this rabbit hole of like when you get a car and the car's mechanical stuff starts failing and you're not a mechanic and you don't like, you don't even there's, and that's like, there's music minds, there's animal minds, there's mechanical minds, there's artistic minds. Everybody kind of has a different mind and how things operate. I am not a mechanical mind. I can problem solve with animals, but I cannot take something apart and put it back together to save my life because I am impatient and I want things now. So my point is, is you can't, you can't do this on your own. This is a significant problem with many, many, many attacks. I can't even begin to get into the things that you need to be doing because this is a very serious problem and people are getting very hurt and your dog's life is on the edge. So I appreciate the question, but I can't responsibly even get into this because I would never want you to just take my advice for the next four minutes of me talking to you without without having other context and you trying to actually train. So yes, you can sign up and talk to me and we can consult about it, but at the end of the day, you have to hire a trainer to come in to help you. You need the tools, the know-how to help you figure out what the triggers are and how to handle these situations. So again, I know that you know, you're know you not expecting this abracadabra from me, but this is huge and this is a big, big 
problem with a ton of moving parts and ultimately a dog could be put down or another dog can get hurt or worse, another person can get hurt. And this is something that you have to hire a professional. And anybody else out there that's listening, if you guys have severe aggression problems, people are getting hurt, dogs are getting hurt, and you haven't hired a trainer, do not ask for for help from from random people. We get this all the time. And this isn't anything to do with Dragon Wings 1 to 1. I'm just saying for anybody else out there that's looking for help, like we get a lot of DMs. I had this DM the other day and somebody was like, "Can you help me train my dog in New Jersey?" I'm like, "No, we're not training." And she freaked out. And she's like, "I'm damaging your business. I'm writing you all these bad reviews." And I was like, "Oh my god." Cuz I try to answer DMs when I can and when I do, it's like people just, they want free shit from me all the time, every time. And if I don't give them the answers they want, then I'm a terrible person. So it's very hard for me to uh, work with some of these things. But anyway, anyway, that's besides the point. So my suggestion is, is hire a trainer, follow, follow up with me on an on a online consulting, which you can do in the link in the description. E-collar TikTok. Just listen to the podcast about the stage video, and I want to let you know that you're the reason why my dog has a good life. Oh, I was ignorant and uneducated about the e-collars, and your videos helped me realize that these are good tools and the right way. I just want to thank you. That means the world to me. So thank you so much, Nita Jobs. Um, these types of messages really, really help me uh, keep going and give me motivation when I'm feeling tired or I'm feeling sick or I'm feeling frustrated. These are the messages where people are saying that, like, hey, you've changed my life with education. And as you guys know, I am just trying to educate. I can put a piece of content out on any platform, and it may help a million people, but there's going to be three or four people that are going to hate it because they don't agree with it. And this type of feedback just is is meaningful. So thank you so much. All right, so that's the three that I've answered. If you guys want me to answer your questions, make sure you head over to the Apple Podcast and leave your review. All right, you guys, thanks for listening. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you Wednesday. Bye.